of God. I want to ask you, if you would, to take your Bibles today and turn to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. I'm sorry, the fifth chapter. We, we were looking at this last week. Um, last week was Father's Day. And the Lord had led me to this passage, this passage that where Paul was writing to the, the church of Ephesus. He was, he was pretty well telling them that, that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, this is the things that, this is how it's supposed to look like. And, and um, I, was, I was addressing last week where fathers uh, provoke not your children to wrath, that, that, that we are a, a, a nation of anger. And I had a lot of response from that last week. Because all we have to do is, is look around. We, we need to look on our, uh, the newscast. But folks, all we need to look in our homes. There is so much anger that is just embitterment within our world today. And when you see these cra crazy actions, um, and, and I'll just say this, and I'm not getting paid by the NRA or anyone else, but folks, guns or knives don't kill people. Anger kills people. And, and you need to recognize that. Because if there's anger in a person's heart, I can tell you when Cain killed Abel, he did not pull out a 45. He killed him with something else. Because if, 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 if there's an angry heart, that, uh, that person will use whatever weapon is necessary to, to destroy someone else. Sadly, the greatest weapon we use is our tongue. And, boy, I'm getting off on a subject I hadn't even thought about this morning. But, um, but you need to understand this. So we need to stop and we need to listen and, and apply the Word of God in our lives because God does speak principles of truth even in our world today. I was going to share with you today in the area of, of backing it up into the family between husbands and wife. But, but as I begin to look at this whole passage, I, there's, there's something else that I wanted to, I, I'll probably address that next week. Because I want to go back even a little bit further and look at something that we read this last week, and, um, and we'll, be, we'll be speaking on that this morning. I want to speak to you today about a better way to live. A better way to live. And we're going to be looking at um, Ephesians, the fifth chapter, verses 15 through 21. Now, we've been studying over the last several months, as a matter of fact, a series called Don't Waste Your Life, that, that we need to stop and we need to reflect that, God, um, how am I living my life? Because I don't want to get to the end of the time and look back and say, wow, look at all these what-ifs that I have in my life. God, we don't want that. God does not want that within our lives. And so we need to stop and examine every area of our life. To, to, that I don't, have, I don't have to live a life of regrets from yesterday. And, and that, that we can take and, and use this, this beautiful life and this great God whom we serve. And that we can find the joy that he has promised us. I don't know about you, but when Jesus says these words, I've come that they might have life and might have it more abundantly. I want everything that Jesus has for me. You know, I want, I want my salvation. I want the life that, that, that God has given me. But he says, I've, I've not only just come to give you life, but I've, I've come to give it so that you can abound, the overbundle. I, I want to give you life that, that is overflowing. And, 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 and folks, it's not, it's not being selfish to say, God, I want everything that you have for me. Because if God has already purchased it with the blood of his own son, that if he's already given us those gifts, why not take it, folks? As a matter of fact, that's being good stewards, good steward of the abundance that God already has for you and me. 
But when I looked in my own life years ago, and then I look around in, in a congregation such as this today, then I can honestly say that there's a lot of people that claim life, but they are not experiencing abundant life. Folks, there's a better way to live. His name's Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to look at today and, and, and stop and, and, and begin to examine these. And so let's all stand together as we read Ephesians. We're going to start at chapter 5 and verse 15 and, um, and, and just move on into verse 21. Now again, the Apostle Paul is just writing some very practical information because of the great things that he had already taught about who we are in Christ. That although we were once dead in our sins, now we're alive. That, that now that, that just as Jesus Christ sits on the right hand of the Father in the heavenlies, so do we sit. Folks, we are prince and princesses of our God in, in heaven. The Bible says we're a co-heir with him. The Bible says we were once dead in our trespasses of sin, and now we've been made alive, and just like Christ was lifted up to be with the Father, so shall we be. That should get us excited. But if these things are true, then there should be a way that, that we need to present ourselves in the world around us. Let's look what the Apostle Paul writes as he writes to this church of Ephesus. He says again, see then that you walk circumspectly. That's a big, that's a word that we use a lot today, isn't it? A lot of you looking at us, Pastor, what does that even mean? It means walk carefully. Be careful how you walk. Even as you walk circumspectly, even as you walk carefully, not as fools, but as wise. Now I do have to admit that the, the translation fools there is is probably a little bit heavy. There's a comparison going on there. There's a, if any of you know, just a little bit of an inkling of Greek. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of young girls' names named Sophia, and Sophia um, means wisdom. And so the word, it comes from sophos, which is, a, which is a Greek word. And so that's what the word wise means here. And the, the words that are being translated as fool is simply being unwise. They, they, put, they, they, they put a preface on it called an A and says, and what he's saying is, is what I've asked you to do is to be wise. And, and, and who, who wants to live their life in stupidity? I think that's another way that you could translate it. Don't be stupid, but be wise. And I don't think anyone will raise their hand and say, Pastor, I want to be stupid. Now, you know, for some of us, is, uh, you know, we don't have to work at it very hard. It's pretty easy. But, but it's not something I'm going to wake up every day and say, God, I want to be stupid today. I'd really like to be wise. But what I'd you know that 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 but most of us would say I want to be wise to the things of this world, and that's what he's saying. Don't be stupid, but instead be wise. And I think all of us. But then he says, "This is how you do it." And so I think we need to listen as he continues on redeeming the time because the days are evil. Again, here he comes again with that same word. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting yourselves to one another in the fear of God. 
What Paul's teaching us all here, dear friends, is a better way to live. <clears throat> Let's pray. God bless these words, and I just pray that you would just um, use them for your glory. And God be with me that I can be able to speak in a way that, that God, that you can, that you're, you can sh teach your truth, Lord, through the things that I have to say. But most of all, Lord, let us receive. God, I know that you can even take words and, and God and use them in our hearts and, and show us things, Lord, that only you can do. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask you to just take control and reveal yourself right now in Christ's name. Amen. Hmm. Mowed my yard this past week, and you may think, wow, that's a big deal, isn't it? Didn't he need mowing? I hadn't mowed in about a, about a couple of weeks, and um, I really enjoyed myself. Took me about two hours to mow my yard and um, do the weed eating. I had to play with some kids a little bit in the meantime, and um, but I enjoy that. I, I enjoy mowing my yards, and you may think, what are you talking about? Well, let me just give you the story because Mowing a yard may not mean much to you, but it means a whole lot to me because God has taught me some biblical principles through mowing yards. You see, the story really begins back years ago when Juan and Sue and I moved to where we live now. And God had blessed us, that, that we, he blessed us with a, an older farmhouse that we had to redo. But what we really liked is the property. It had a beautiful, beautiful piece of property. And that piece of property is about, is, needs about four acres of mowing. Four acres of mowing. Now, when I moved up here, all I had was a push lawnmower, and that just wasn't going to do it. And, um, and so I realized that I was going to have to do something. I, I, at the first couple of times I mowed my yard, my daddy had a little old 30-inch snapper mower. And if any of you remember those little 30-inch snappers are not very wide, they don't go very fast. And it would literally take me all day long to mow that four acres. I mean all day long to mow that four acres. And, but I knew that I needed to, to buy a lawnmower of my own, and so I began to study. Now, I didn't go and study the specs, Mike. I know how Mike studies something. I didn't go and study the specs of what's the best type of lawnmower to mow four acres of yard in a very high, sandy place. I didn't do that. I studied, though. I studied the sales paper because I was looking for a deal. And, um, and so that, you know, I, I was wanting to go just as cheap as I could go to, to help me mow my yards. So I began to look at the sales paper and, and, um, and look, you know, just, just, just trying to figure out and trying to beat all these because I, I read in the paper, I, you know, I, I'd go into these stores and they say, you know, if you have this many acres, this is the size lawnmower you need. If you have this many acres, this is the size lawnmower. But, but I could do better than that, you know. I didn't have to listen to what they said. And I also had a buddy a few years ago that told me about one brand of lawnmower. He says, never buy that brand. Because he says, if you do, you, all you'll do is be putting the belts on and off of it. But you know what? That brand was on sale. <laughs> and I thought, oh, Randy probably didn't know what he was talking about. And um, it was on sale. It was a lot smaller. You know, it said it, it was good for about a, an acre yard, but, but I could buy it. And, and so I bought it. Well, it didn't take me all day long to mow my yard, but it still took me about five, five and a half hours to mow my yard. And, and, and for the first few couple of years, it, everything went just fine. Other than the length of time that it took me to mow, I would convince myself, I really love this. There's not a telephone around. I, I love doing my yard, and I'm too cheap to have someone else doing it. 
Well, after about the uh, second and a half, third year, the belt began to come off. And over the next two years, every time I mowed my grass, the belt came off. As a matter of fact, it came off so many times that I would keep a tool with me on my lawnmower because a lot of times I'd be putting it on, but when I started and then have to stop in the middle of it and put, my, put, it, put it off, it just wore me out. And as a matter of fact, I, I can't say that, um, my, that this was... Um, there may have been some sanctification process going on because one thing that's happened, God was showing what was down in the well. And then the deck began to tore off, and after a while, I didn't even want to sell this thing to somebody. I took it down to the dump, and I said, do, with, do whatever you want to with it. I'm just tired of it. So again, I went, I went on a, a, another time of, of, of search, and people began to tell me, Johnny, with the yards you have, you really need a, a, probably a zero turn, and you need something with a, with a commercial deck on it because that sand's going to eat right through it, and... Again, I didn't listen to them. I was going on the cheap. I did find a, a little bigger model. It was, it, was, it was a John Deere lawn type of tractor, but again, it says that was only good for about two and a half acres, but you know, I weren't going to listen to them. And um, I was going to do it my way, on the cheap. Now, that lawnmower was better, I do have to say, and I, it did help me mow in, in, in a faster. It would take me about four and a half hours to mow with that, or four hours, but, and, 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 and it provided pretty good service, but pretty soon, after about six years, the sand had blasted through the deck, and my deck was completely worn out. And by that time, I'd already put two clutches on it. I'd put, I, I, even at my house now, um, I pass this one on to my son-in-law, and... Um, <laughs> And I have a whole box of parts, Nathaniel, that, um, <laughs> that he can use. And, um, but I'd bore the deck out on that. And so, probably 14 years of going on the cheap, 13 years of going on the cheap, where I'd wore out two lawnmowers, I'd already spent... Well over, well over $4,000, almost $5,000 on them two lawnmowers, and, and they, they were worthless to me. I finally decided I'm not going on the cheap anymore. There's got to be a better way to mow a yard. And so the first time in my life, I, I put down the sales papers, and I began to do some investigation, and I went out and I found me a, a zero turn. It is a natural man. <laughs> I can now mow my yards in about two hours. We'd eat my yards. And um, just change the oil. And if, when that day, I, I do believe that um, I'll, I'll, I'll be on the age of mowing when I wear this deck out. And I'm as happy as I could be. You see, I realized through this process, there had to be a better way to mow with the property that I had. And, and what was so crazy about it, if I had spent, went ahead and spent that money to start off with, I'd still be using that same lawnmower today. And going cheap wasn't the way. But folks, there's a huge principle that goes on there 
is a lot of us live our lives on the cheap. We live our lives on, the, on, on trying to cheap way out, thinking that, 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 that I, can, I can do better, and we live our lives in misery. We live our lives trying to fix things that have broken down or trying to find our joy in something that was never intended to bring us happiness anyway. You see, I really can't fuss about them two lawnmowers because... That, that, I, that I was speaking about because they never were intended to do the job that I asked them to do. And so I can get frustrated and I can scream and yell and I can get mad, but, but I was trying to use something that was not created to do the job that I was going to do. But folks, that's how it is in life. A lot of us try to live our lives find, trying to find happiness and joy out of things that never were intended to bring us happiness and joy. And then we find, why am I so frustrated all the time? Why am I so aggravated all the time? Because, folks, we're, we're looking to the wrong thing. And that's what the Apostle Paul was teaching us here. There's a better way to live. Yeah, you can go out and go after the cheap things of the world, but they're going to leave you frustrated. But he's saying, we've got so much more. And so let's just take a look at, because uh, that's why he's saying, don't be unwise, but be wise. See, when I was buying those lawnmowers, those first, I was unwise. I was being stupid. I was trying to, again, purchase something that, that, that the manufacturer themselves said, this is not what you need. This won't do the job. And then I found myself frustrated. That's stupidity. But he says, instead of being stupid, be wise. Do the right thing the right way. And let's begin to look at that again. Because he says, well, you need to walk carefully. You need to really examine every step that you take. And that's what it's saying, that, that, you know, that when you're walking out in the woods, you're walking carefully. You're watching where your feet go. You're listening you just not rambling off through the woods. You may get you a rattlesnake on your leg. You need to be careful. And folks, we live in a world that when we proceed through this world, we need to be careful. We need to think about where we're stepping and what we're doing. He says, walk in a careful manner, not as the unwise, but as wise. And let's look at some of these things. You know, the first thing he tells us to do, we need to make the most of every opportunity that comes your way. Because the first thing he says is this. He says, redeeming the time for the days are evil. Redeeming the time for the days are evil. A little bit of study showed me that this word redeeming the time was really an old merchant's axiom that was used by people who went and bought, bought and sold. And, and what this... This, this, this idea meant was to buy out the opportunity. And what that means, if, if you're a merchant, if you are in the, mer in the world of, of buying and selling goods, and you walk in, and, and when you walk into a place or you meet somebody, and they have an extremely good deal going on. As a matter of fact, it's a once-in-a-lifetime deal. And they have all these products. You've never seen them. You never saw these widgets at the price 
that this guy or this gal was offering them. And you realize, I'll, I'll never have this opportunity again. And what the merchant would say, if you find a situation like that, you buy everyone, you buy them out. Don't just buy one of them, you buy them out because you're never going to have an opportunity to get a widget at this price again. And that's what this idea is. And so when you begin to apply that to time, that, that what, what Paul is saying is that, that there's an opportunity that has been placed in our lap by the Lord Jesus Christ and our Father in heaven. And folks, we need to take every advantage of the opportunity that God has given us. And you take everything of this opportunity that's there because it might not pass this way again. You see, of all the things that's in life, just like them lawnmowers, as aggravating as they were, I could go buy another lawnmower. But folks, one thing you won't buy again is time. And one thing that you won't buy again is when an opportunity has presented itself, that opportunity may be gone tomorrow. And so when that opportunity, when God has brought an opportunity and laid it in your lap, then you better buy it out. You better go all in and get everything you can out of it. Wow. I think about this. Went back and read this morning about the children of Israel. Do you remember when God had sent Moses in to the, to the children of Israel when they're in captivity in Egypt and he sent Moses in to, to bring his children, the children of Israel, out of captivity, out of their bondage. And think about this. He brought them out of bondage to give them life. And then he was going to send them into the land of milk and honey to give them abundant life. So he brought them out and gave them a name, and they became a nation. And he was going to lead them to the abundant life. Jesus says, I've come that you might have life, but also have it more abundantly. And so when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt to give them the life, to make them his own, and he was going to complete the task by sending them into the, um, the land of Canaan, the land that he had promised, the land flowing with milk and honey, when he brought them to the edge of the, li- the, the land and gave them opportunity to go in and take the land, they didn't take that opportunity. They said there were giants in the land. And fear began to spread. Out of the 12, tri- out of the 12 spies, there were only two, Joshua and Caleb, that, that rose up and said, we can take the land. That, they're, you know, that, that if God's for us, who, who, you know, who, who can be against us? There, there'll be nothing. But the people refused the land flowing with milk and honey when God had offered it to them. And you know what? The opportunity closed. God shut the door. And told them, okay, if that's the way you want, you'll not receive the land flowing with milk and honey. You'll not receive the abundance. And so I'm going to let you wander in the, I'm going to let you wander in the wilderness until all of you die. 
Now, now, after God had shut the door, some of them finally woke up and said, well, we can take the land. And God said, no, the door's shut. So then they went in and tried, and they were destroyed because the opportunity had passed them. How sad was that? That God had promised you a land flowing with milk and honey, but, but you turned your back and the door closed. Hmm. They lived the next 40 years grumbling and miserable wandering in the wilderness. I suggest to you today there's a lot of people who, who call themselves Christians that are living your lives grumbling and miserable wandering in the wilderness of this world because you turned your back on the opportunities that God has given you. And that's why Paul says there's a better way to live. You need to redeem the opportunities. You need to make the most of the opportunities that God has given you. First of all, they're, 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 that there's people sitting here today. You're sitting under the gospel of the, the Word of God and realizing with a group this size are some of you that have never met Jesus in a personal and a redemptive way. You cannot look me in the eye and give me a biblical explanation if God asked you, why should I let you into my heaven? You, you couldn't say that. Well, I'm a pretty good person. The Bible says hell's full of pretty good people. Because Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father but me. But every breath that you breathe, every time that you sit under the hearing of the gospel, every time someone comes and shares the word with you that that when you turn your head on that opportunity to receive Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, every time you turn your back, the door shuts a little bit tighter. And so you need to, first of all, make the, take use of the opportunity that God has given you. And so first of all, there's people here today that needs to take the opportunity today, the day of salvation. I'll speak of that in just a moment. But then there's also Christians here today that, that you know Christ, but you also know there's more to your life. But you've not taken that opportunity. You've not taken the opportunity when you have an opportunity to, to work with Vacation Bible School. You have an opportunity to work with, with, with Buddy Breaks, or you just have the opportunity to, to grow in your faith that God has, has moved upon your heart and, and, and you just shoot it away. When you're raising your kids, that God has given you, that, that um, you kind of push that away of doing it God's way because I know better. And so instead of walking in a wise way, we walk unwise. See, the Bible says you need to take the opportunity when God is dealing with your heart about a situation. He says, redeem the moment, use the opportunity. See, there's a better way to live. And that's by taking advantage of every opportunity that God has given you. But he goes on and he begins to describe how do you do that. Because then he says in verse 17, as he follows on, if, you, if you'd follow with me, he says, as he says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And, and, and the idea of the days are evil, folks, it's not getting better out there. It's only going to get worse. And so therefore, when God provides opportunity, you need to grab everything you can. But then he continues on and says, Wherefore, be ye not unwise again? He uses this idea again. 
but understanding what the will of the Lord is. I have people all, have asked me all, you know, throughout the years, God, Pastor, what's God's will for my life? What's God's will for my life? And I think that is a question of the ages, you know, that, that God has purpose and for each of us. He has a purpose and plan for our life. And it's, it's important that, God, that we find what's God's purpose and plan for my specific life. But ultimately, only you can know that. Because what God may be dealing with in your life is different than mine, but there are some very standard things that we know. Well, I, I can tell you exactly what God's will is for you. And I, because the Bible says this is God's will for you, and so this, therefore, this is for every single one of us. See, there's, there's specific things that we know that God's will is, or, or, or very general things. It's, 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 it's general for all of us, no matter who we are. But then there's sometimes there's specific ones. But these are the general things, and I want you to listen to these things. Pastor, what's God's will for my life? Understanding what God's will is for your life. First of all, without a shadow of a doubt, the Bible said it's God's will for you to be saved. It's God's will for you. God desires you to be saved. Listen to what, Paul, but what, what God writes through the Apostle Peter. This is 2 Peter 3.9. The Word of God says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness. But as long-suffering, He's very patient to you and me, to usward. Not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. Not willing that any should perish. So we know one thing, God's not, not willing. It's not God's will for anyone to perish without Him. And I believe that's speaking to every single one of us in this place. I believe that's speaking to every person that's been born. That God's not slack in concerning His promise. And what the slackness is, is that for those who die without Him, that they will face wrath. But the Bible says God is patient. That is, God is patient because He's not willing that any should perish without Him but all come to repentance. So folks, I can say without a shadow of doubt that what God's will is for you today, is, no matter who I'm speaking to today, no matter what background you come from, God desires you to be saved. For God so loved the world, and you can put your name there, that He gave His only begotten Son. For God so loved Martha, uh, Margaret that He gave His only begotten Son, that if Margaret would believe in Him, she would not want perish. Because God's not willing for Margaret to perish, but have everlasting life. And I can go, and, and you can put your name in that, and, and I can know without a shadow of a doubt. But the thing about it, when if we lip, work that back up of redeeming the time of taking the most of every opportunity, the Bible says these words, today is the day of salvation. When the opportunity is presented to you, if you're going to redeem the time, then you need to take the opportunity that God has, has, has spoken to you. You see, there may be someone sitting here today that as you hear these words, that there's something going on in your chest. And maybe your chest is fluttering. As a matter of fact, you're looking around because people think your shirt might be moving a little bit. And you know what that is? That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And he might be revealing you your need of salvation. It doesn't matter if you've been a church member. It doesn't matter if you're a preacher. It doesn't matter who you are out there. 
There's only one way to salvation. His name's Jesus. And God loves you enough that He's convicting you because, because, because He is convicting you right now of your need. And He's knocking at the door of your heart. And you need to take that opportunity to receive Him. You need to say right now, God, I am tired of living like this. I'm God. And you know what it says? He's not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. I think that's very interesting because what God is equating to salvation here is repentance. See, salvation is not just saying something when our lips. You know, for true salvation to happen, there has to be true repentance, and that's where we come to our life as we say, God, I'm a sinner, and I'm tired of living like this. I'm tired of living for Johnny, that God, I want to live for you. And so God gets us to that point where we're willing to just sell the, sell the, the farm and place it on him. But folks, today is the day of salvation. I, I, I was at a funeral yesterday that blessed my heart. It was someone, to be frank with you, I've known all my life. I've loved them. I, I, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, years and years ago, I'd shared the gospel with them. And boy, they were just in a, in a very bad lifestyle. But I, I tell you what, I praise God for two things. I praise God, and I, I thank God for Dale Hodges. Dale Hodges cut this person's grass, and Dale Hodges went to see this person when they were in the, in the hospital, and, and Dale was about to walk out and turn around and came back. He, he, he had the opportunity, and he walked back in, and he challenged this person's, who are you living for? Are you living for you or Jesus? And not only did Dale take that opportunity to share Christ with this person, but this person took that opportunity and gave their life to Jesus Christ at that time and died 14 days later. To be honest, I walked, I walked to a funeral not knowing really what to say. What I'm going to say to the, the family, I left there rejoicing because two people took the opportunity one man took the opportunity to share the gospel. That other person took the opportunity to receive the gospel. And that was a good day, man. You're talking about changing a funeral up. I guarantee you that the, the preacher was a little bit different in that funeral than it would have been. You see, there's some of you today that needs to take the opportunity to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ, to admit that you're a sinner, repent of your sins, because it's God's will for you to be saved. I know that. Because the Bible says, you know what else the Bible says? It's, it's, uh, when we're finding God's will for your pastor, what's God's will for your life? First of all, it's, I know it's God's will for you to be saved. Another thing it is, it's God's will for you to be sanctified. How do you know that, Pastor? Well, the Bible says it. Look what he says in 1 Thessalonians um, chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. You may want to turn there because, I mean, this is, this is not Johnny speak. This is God speak. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. For this is the will of God. So I'm pretty sure this is the will of God because that's what the Bible says. This is the will of God. Even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how, I possess, how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. One thing that I can assure of, first of all, that God desires you to be saved. The second thing, when you're saved, that you begin to live your life in holiness. Because if you continue to live your life in the, in the debauchery that you lived beforehand, then you are breaking the will of God. And matter of fact, it may be even a sign that you never got saved to start off with. But it says, this is God's will for you, even your sanctification. And, and sanctification has, can, can look in a couple of different ways. One, one idea of sanctification is to be set apart, but also the idea of sanctification is, 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 is 
You're set apart because of God's holiness. And God says, you need to be holy. Why? Because I am holy. And so basically saying, you need to be sanctified. You need to step away from the lifestyle that you used to live, and you need to be set apart into the lifestyle I've called you to. And that's not what God's, God does not want you to continue to live in that life because he says, I've got a better way for you. You're living in the life of the world and you just think you're having fun, but all it's going to do is bring you heartache. I have a better life for you. I want you to turn to me and I want you to live in holiness. That's a better way. I remember years ago when this really grabbed my heart. I remember getting on my heart. I knew I was saved, but I knew that I was not living abundantly, and I knew that my life was just a mess. And I remember telling God, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I, I, I'm, I'm tired. So there was a repentance going on in my heart. It's amazing how much better my life got. I didn't have to, I didn't have to wake up in the morning with the regrets. I didn't have to wake up thinking, you know, man, did I say something about somebody? I don't want to, you know, there was times in my life I hated to go around the corner because I saw somebody because I might have said something I shouldn't have said about them. You ever had that moment? Or, you know, I got tired of, of lying to Wanda Sue when she thought I was at a ball game. I was out fishing or doing something else, you know, and, and something I should, I got tired of that. Folks, living like the world's work. Because we're always trying to cover up our tracks. And you know, all the things that was fun for a season, payday Sunday, and I have to start paying for those things. But it's absolutely amazing that when I, I, I turn and I begin to say, Lord, I want to live for you, my life just got so much easier. It's amazing. I could greet everyone because I, 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 I didn't let any corrupt communication. I mean, I, I was working at it anyhow. I, I li started living within my relationship with my wife. I was transparent. Hey, baby, you ask me anything you want. I don't have anything to hide. Now, folks, that's a, better, that's, that's, that's a better way to live in the house with somebody else where there's trust involved. I didn't wake up any more headaches. I never had to... We're about because I showed my tail the night before, doing things I shouldn't have been doing. Life just got easier. And I begin to think, man, this is a better way to live. I had bought into the world for so long that the things I thought were having fun, that I was, I was having to pay the bills later. And it was amazing to me is when, when God says this, you're. you're this is my will for you, even your sanctification. Of what he was saying, this is for my good. And I'll never regret that. I never regret that. And that tells you something else God's will for you is that you be transformed to the image of Christ. Paul writes these words in, in Romans 2, but I'll speak Romans 1. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. But then he says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. You see, God's desire for you and me is to become more like Jesus. 
See, this, once, once we get saved, that it's, it's God's process is to, is to take all those old things out of our life and throw them away. Well, I worked yesterday out in some property, and I'm telling you, it was hot. And I came in, and you know, when you smell yourself, you stink pretty bad. Wanda Sue didn't even let me go back to the bathroom with my clothes on. She'd make me take off all my clothes and throw them in that dirty hamster before, before, uh, hamper before I went back to the bathroom. And this is what the idea of conforming to the image of Christ is you take off all of those dirty clothes of yesterday, all the lies, all the, the greed, all the immorality, you take off those dirty clothes and throw them away and begin to put on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's just a beautiful picture. And how do you do that? By the renewing of your mind. That you begin to think on the things of Christ rather than the things of the world. And, 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 and that's the whole idea of repentance is renewal of the mind where you're, you're changing your mindsets from the things of the world to you're changing your mindset to the things of Christ. Folks, it's just a better way to live. I can tell you, I enjoyed myself a whole lot better after I took off all my old clothes, and I, I took a shower, and then I put on some, some, some clean clothes. You know, I think a lot of us, in a very spiritual sense, even if we're believers, there's some old clothes we still need to take off. And we need to put on some of his clothes. It's also God's will for you to give thanks. Listen to what he says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, and, and we'll, we'll see this in just a moment. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In everything, in every situation that you live, you need to give thanks. In everything. Now, the world does not tell you to do that. The world wants you to crawl up in your pity party. It wants you to, to feel sorry for yourself. And the world wants you to, you know, when somebody has cheated you, to get back at them and play this game. And folks, that's a miserable way to live is when you're always trying to get back at and you're trying to be vengeful for someone to someone else. But the Bible says, you know what? In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ. Why is that important? Because folks, it's changing mindsets. You see, when we want to complain about everything, then our focus, our mindset is on the things that, that happened that were wrong in our life. But to give thanks for in everything is to say that, you know what, I'm not focusing on my circumstance. I'm focusing on my God in heaven who loved me and gave himself for me. And there's plenty when I begin to focus on him, I don't think about my circumstances because he's the God that's over all of my circumstances. And I can praise him for that. But then, let me just, because it's amazing, because when he says, that we understand God's will. And then he begins to explain those things because he begins to, he says, this is what you need to do. He says, you need to be not drunk with wine, but you need to be filled with the Spirit. Why do people, why do people take within their body 
alcohol or drugs or whatever is because they're trying, they're trying to be happy for a moment. They're trying to feel good for a moment. And, and you know, some alcohol or some drugs or some pills, they'll make you feel good for a little bit, but folks, payday's tomorrow. God's saying there's a better way to live. Instead of filling yourself with these things that's going to destroy your body, fill yourself with me. Be filled with me. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is in a, in a present tense that you're constantly feeling apart from our salvation. One of the most important things to do within the Christian walk is to continue to be filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. That He's controlling us and not ourselves. We see that constantly within the book of Acts. These men had been baptized with the Holy Spirit, when, and, but then they continue to say, God, fill me with your Spirit to give me power. They recognize that daily, because, because of li folks, life will drain things out of you. And they continually went back to the Lord and said, God, fill me with your Spirit. I need you. We saw, I need you, Lord. Oh, I need you. Lord, fill me with your Spirit. Take control of my life. Life's hard, God. God knows life's hard. And God says, I want to come and fill you because you can't do these things yourself. God's saying there's a better way to live than trying to do it yourself. Let me do it for you. Man. That we need to constantly go before the throne every day and say, God, fill me with your spirit. Take control of my life. No matter what comes my way, Lord, today. Yesterday I was at one funeral. This morning, I heard heartbreaking news about another funeral. It's going to take place in a heartbreaking setting. Five minutes later, I got a phone call. Why don't you come over because there's another funeral. I'm going to visit with the family right before I came this morning. You see, folks, we, none of us know what a day may hold. And that's why we need to wake up every day and say, God, fill me with your spirit. Take control of my life, because if God's not in control of your life, then the circumstances will, will take control of you. And he says, you know what he says? He says, and this is what you need to do. And I'll just go through these very, very quickly. He says... You need to live daily with a heart of exaltation. Wow, we already just heard when God says, what is your will? God's will for you is, is, is to in everything give thanks. And, and that's what he's saying. He says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in, you, in your heart to the Lord. That we need to fill our things with the things of Christ. I've shared with you before that it used to, man, I, I, um, when I grew up, man, I grew up on rock and roll. I love me some Leonard Skinner, and I love me some um, all your old southern rock groups. Love the Eagles. Loved Aerosmith. Kind of crazy, wasn't it? We met Wanasu. I had to learn a little bit of, um, I had to learn a little bluegrass and, um, and country songs. I wanted a Conway Twitty man until I met Wanasu, but then I had to learn to love Conway Twitty. But Conway Twitty didn't sing spiritual songs. 
I had a buddy one time when, when, when I began to grow in Christ and God brought Chuck Satterwhite into my life and all Chuck listened to was gospel songs and praise songs. And I thought, how in the world can somebody sit in the truck listening to them things all day long? I'm just being honest with you. But folks, I can't listen to anything else today. Because I can, you know, I don't need to listen to all the old crooning and all the heartache. I want to listen to praise and worship of my Lord. And so it's through God, through Chuck, that introduced me to the gospel music, the Rex Kneeling Singers years ago. I just play their tape over and over and over again. And you know, it's an amazing how that changed my disposition. You know, there was a time back when, I'll just tell you, when I was in Mississippi and that was when Bill Clinton was elected and all I listened to talk radio, I became the most negative individual in the whole world. The whole world was going to hell in a handbasket, and I'll just say that, you know, because that's all I believed. And so I was sour, I was mad, I was angry, and finally I had to realize I've got to get off of this stuff. All I'm listening to is negativity, negativity, negativity. And there's an amazing thing. That's when Integrity Music started sending out those monthly. And I, be, I waited every month for them to send me the new tape of the month so I can, I can listen to me something that would feed my soul. You see, there's a lot of you that needs to get off the talk radio, and y'all need to get on to Jesus out there. It will change the way you look at things. Folks, God's in control. In everything, give thanks. Don't let the world spout its negativism to you. It doesn't mean that you go and hide your head in a, in a basket, but you need to sing songs and worship and praise God. And then he says, then he says, we, then he says giving thanks always for all things to the Lord. We need to live daily with a heart of thanksgiving. I just spoke about that. There's a better way to live. I can live my life complaining about how bad everything is and focus on that. And, 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 and be mad with the world, or I can say, Lord, you're the God of all the circumstances, but, and you're the God that's coming back one day. That's why I love days like He's coming back, folks. And I can just praise him and worship him, and it will change the way I look. See, there's a better way to live. When I thought about that, and golly, I'm, I'm, I'm very late. I'm going to tell you a story, though. And then I'll close with this story. God opened the door for Nathaniel, and I've had an opportunity to go down there. As we've been working with young men down in, in Rayford at Youth Corrections, boys 12 to 17 years old. For some reason, they're incarcerated. From tw I mean, we, we, we've dealt with kids 12 years old. And um, God has continued to bless, and, and Nathaniel's done a wonderful job, and and we're beginning to see God, the Word of God, begin to settle in some of these boys. I mean, God, the world has already given them a bad lick. And Nathaniel and me even talked about because he had went a couple of, he said, let me tell you about a new guy. And there's a couple of guys that obviously God's dealing with their heart. And, and um, because there, there has to be a better way. So when I walked in, Nathaniel was in camp, I walked in this week, and I've not even talked to Nathaniel about this week, not seen each other. I was, I was met at the door by 
one of the leaders said, you know, one of the boys are wanting to start a Bible study here. Now, you think y'all can help them out? I mean, not with Nathaniel with me, but they want to do it within the boys. I said, oh, yeah, we can, we can make arrangements for that. Got home that afternoon and received an email that one of the boys were wanting to be baptized. You think you can help, it with, help out with that? Folks, if God can give us an opportunity to help a boy that's 12 or 14 or 17 that has ruined his entire life, and that really has nothing to go home to but shame and hurt, and we can teach him a better way to live, because you know what I dealt with that day? Nathaniel had just taught him the week before on Joseph about every bad thing that happened to Joseph, but how God used, and they knew it, Nathaniel. They told the story back to me. But I, I preached, I, I taught them a, a lesson I taught here, don't waste your life, don't waste the pain, because we're to count it all joy even when we fall into various temptations. And I knew that when I was speaking this, there was a, every one of them boys had pain in their life. And I began to teach them that you can even rejoice in the pain, because we've got a God that can take your pain and use it for his glory. And folks, if I can say that to a bunch of boys that, that are that young that have messed their life so much, I can say it to you. There's a better way to live out there. For so long in my life, I went on the cheap, just like I did with that lawnmower. I tried to take the cheap way out, but folks, there's not a cheap way of salvation. You've got to come to Jesus and Jesus alone. And you've got to do it His way. You can't do it your way, there's no, there's, there's no substitute. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. And I can promise you, Jesus will give you a better way to live. And so today, I ask you. There's some of you that have been struggling and struggling and struggling in life because you've been doing, you trying to get the cheap way out, and the world will offer that to you. But there's a better way. His name's Jesus Christ. Go ahead and commit yourself and let God do what he wants to with you. For some of you today that needs to seize the opportunity, you need salvation, I ask you to come to Jesus today. There's some of you today who, who may know Christ, but you, you've been living in misery. You need to cast yourself on him and say, God, there's a better way today. Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? I invite you to come today. Father, I pray that you just bless this time. And God, that you just move. There's such a better way to live. And Lord, let us not waste our life. Let us not waste the years trying to do it our way. So God, just, just do what you want to right now, Lord, in Christ's name. Amen. You know, just a moment, we're going to stand. We're going to sing a hymn invitation. You know what? We're not singing long today. You need to take